Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I love water baptism. In fact, uh, if you haven't been water baptized, hopefully this message this morning will inspire you as well as the people that are going to be baptized. And also my target is if you have been water baptized, maybe it was several years ago, I want you to really appreciate water baptism and what it is. So I've entitled this morning's message, Why Water Baptism? It's a good question. I think before we do anything in life, we should know why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? I think why is a great word. It's a question. Why? Uh, in fact, there's a good book called uh, uh, Start With Why called by Simon Sinek, which secular book, but I encourage you to get it. If, if you're looking for purpose in life, you need to answer the big question is, why am I on the planet? Why, am I, why do I have a life? Why am I alive? What's my purpose here for being here? And when, you've, when you discover what your purpose is, all of a sudden, everything changes. It's not just going to a job anymore. It's going to your assignment or, or your purpose when you show up at work, uh, raising children, going to church, and of course this morning, water baptism. Why? Well, I'll start off with why water? Water baptism. And the word bap- baptize, uh, it was transliterated because it wasn't a word that they had back uh, in Jesus' day a couple thousand years ago. So they, they made a word up. They, they, uh, they didn't have a, a, an equivalent word, so it wasn't a translation like if I was to try to translate English into Japanese, for instance, uh, it's not always one word in English equals one word in Japanese. It could be five words in Japanese and one word in English, or it could be uh, five English words and one word in Japanese. Uh, so translation is different from transliteration. And the word baptized comes from the word baptizo. And, and what it means, it's a Greek word, what it means is to be fully immersed and it was used concerning the dyeing of garments, that they would take a white uh, piece of fabric that was woven, and they would dip it or plunge it into dye, usually purple dye, which was very expensive, and they would bring color into the garment of, of the clothing or, the, or, or uh, linen or whatever it was that they were dyeing, uh, but, but it was completely immersed in the dye so that the dye became part of the fabric uh, and, and the dye became part of uh, the coloring, became right in there. It wasn't just a, a little bit or a painting on the top. It was a total immersion. And that's what baptized means. You can be baptized in many different things. You can be baptized in fire. You can be baptized in uh, air. You're surrounded by air right now. You're fully immersed in the air in this room. Uh, and water baptism is to be fully immersed in water. But what does the water signify? What is it symbolic of? And that's a good question. It's pretty obvious for most of us. Water represents life. We don't exist without water. In fact, the majority of your physical body is made up of H2O, water. You are water. Even your bones have a high percentage of water. I think it's like 30% or something like that. Your brain is like 70% water. Isn't that amazing? You can live without food longer than what you're going to live without water. You need water. So water represents life. 
But water also represents something called cleansing, that you take a bath, and you don't take a bath usually in some other substance, dirt or, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. You, you, you need water to get clean. And so water represents cleansing, but it also represents something we're going to talk about this morning, which is water represents separation. That usually countries, for instance, are separated with a river or uh, like our country here, which is a big island, Australia, it's surrounded by what? It's surrounded by water, and that means this is our territory. So if you're going to come here, this is, uh, these are the boundaries uh, of our country of Australia. Rivers, uh, oceans, lakes sometimes, they are uh, representative of demarcations which separates one from the other. It's interesting that word separation, and I'm going to give you three things this morning uh, concerning water baptism, and, and, and these are results of water baptism, and these, these three things are important. They're what water, water baptism represents. Now, there are three ordinances before I give you the other three things. Basically, there are three ordinance, ordinances, which uh, some uh, religions call sacraments, and these are things that are physical that we can partake of that represents something spiritual. Because we don't see the spiritual realm, generally speaking. You don't feel a spirit. A spirit's like the wind. It's not tangible. We needed something physical to portray something spiritual that took place. So Jesus gives three, uh, basically three, or ordinances that are tangible, physical things that we can do to portray something spiritual that happened to us. Uh, one of those is the anointing of sick people with oil. The oil doesn't make you well, but what the oil represents is the Holy Spirit. The oil represents the healing balm, if you will, of God. And so he says, anoint people that are sick. If any, any of you are sick, call on the elders, the people that are overseers of the church. Let them come anoint you with oil. And then the prayer of faith will save the sick. It's, it's something that he ordained. It's an ordinance. Uh, another ordinance is, we call that Holy Communion. It was the Last Supper. It's where uh, we, we partake of the bread and the wine. And that bread, of course, represents the body of Christ. He was broken for you to be whole. It's a substitution. Also, his blood was shed to, to wash away all, all of your sin. And so he gives us something, an ordinance. He gives us what we call Holy Communion so that there's something physical that portrays something spiritual. The other reason I believe that he gave ordinances or tangible physical things that we could partake of, and the third one being water baptism, is so that we would remember. He says, as often as you do this, talking about the, the Lord's Supper, do it in remembrance of me. And, and that's in the ever-present tense. Remember and don't forget. Remember and keep on remembering. So if you were baptized years ago, keep on remembering that you did something physical that would burn a memory in you so that you don't forget this. You don't forget what this represents. Uh, one of the great memory techniques today is called the palace method. I don't, I don't know anybody familiar with that at all. Okay, nobody. If you want to, okay, we got one over there. That's exciting. She's a lawyer, so she should. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you take something familiar like your house, 
and that's called a palace. It may not be a palace, but it's a palace technique. And, and each of the rooms, you assign a, a memory to those. If you're trying to remember names or whatever you're trying to remember, you, you map that, uh, those memories out in, in the different rooms of your house so that you associate uh, the name with maybe the foyer of your house, the entryway. Then you can go clockwise or counterclockwise around the rooms, and you attach another memory there, another memory there. Well, one of the great things that Jesus did as the greatest teacher that ever lived is he helped, helped us remember things. And he did that through physical, tangible ordinances, like I said, Holy Communion, uh, anointing with oil, and, and water baptism, so that in your mind you, had, you have something tangible to go back to, a memory of something tangible to remember, ah, yeah, I know what that means, I know what that represents. You're never going to forget this. Jesus was the master at that. Uh, I love that about him. He taught in parables purposely so they would remember, so they could work it out, think it out. And water baptism is staggering because what it represents with the water is separation. Now, you say separation from what? Well, death is separation. Death is actually separation from life, separation from your body. When you die, your body stays, it goes into the ground, decays, or you get cremated, whatever your preference is, but, you know, your body's not going anywhere. It's over Red Rover, and uh, it's a separation from your spirit. And what water baptism represents, one aspect of that is certainly the separation of death. See, sin is separation, and sin is what caused death. Sin is separation from God. Sin is not a, a list of transgressions. Somebody goes, oh, is it a sin to smoke? Is it a sin to drink? Is it a sin to swear? Is it a sin to watch an R-rated movie? Is, it, is this a sin? Wrong question. Sin comes from separation from God. If there was a theme song for sin, it would be, I did it my way. I, I did it without God. And sin started, separation started way back in a garden, way back at the beginning of humanity, in a garden called Eden, separation took place where human beings decided, the first ones anyway, I'm going to do this independent from God. So God asked the question in the garden, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was, but Adam had separated himself and Eve from God. They walked their own way. Today, most of the world is doing it their way. And guess what? The world's a mess because of that. We've got wars going on, people being killed, cities being destroyed, uh, human trafficking. Uh, what is that the result of? It's the result of separation where, where mankind said, I don't need God. I can do it without God, thank you. And so they separated from God. The water in water baptism represents a separation. It represents a cleansing it represents a demarcation, if you will. It also represents life. So water baptism is an incredible ordinance that Jesus fulfilled. And you might, might remember uh, when John saw Jesus coming, he said, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. I'm not worthy to even uh, do the uh, menial thing for you. And, and yet you're asking me to baptize you? 
And Jesus said, yes, to fulfill all righteousness. I want to be water baptized, even though I've never been separated at that point anyway from my Father. I want to do this to fulfill something so that you can see something amazing that's going to take place. And that's what he did. Water is, is uh, a representative also of the separation of death. It's, it's whatever separates you from God. So the seed of sin was sown back in a garden, and that seed was separation. Now God's problem, if you will, which he worked out in, in uh, an amazing fashion, was how am I going to bring my prized creation, humans, people, back into relationship and fellowship and communion with me. Because I can't look, uh, anybody that wants to be separate from me, uh, I'm not going to make them love me. See, nobody would would want somebody that had to love them. What kind of relationship would that be? Uh, I'm going to make you into a robot so that you say I love you and we're going to get married. Does that make sense? No, nobody wants that. God wants that love to come from us. But God cannot look at the things that separate us. Our independence uh, was not pleasing to God. God could not look at that. So God had to devise some kind of a, a way for that separation to be separate from us. Because that seed had been sown into humans' hearts and seeds produced in a garden. It's interesting because it was in a garden that that seed was sown. And that seed produce something called the sin nature within all of humanity as we reproduced over uh, many, many years. That sin nature was reproduced within the heart of humanity. And God's uh, problem, if you will, which he solved through Jesus was to separate that which separates without killing us. So what did he do? He devised a way. He sent his seed into the world. His seed is his son, Jesus Christ. He's called the living word. He is the seed of God, that incorruptible seed that never ever sinned, was never separated from God. He sent that into the heart of humans so that everyone here that that would be water baptized, you know what that represents, that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You asked for God's seed, his word, to come into your heart to take care of separation called sin out of your life the very nature of all of us. So God, through his sinless son and through his blood, washed away our sin. The waters of baptism, they represent that, 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 that uh, life swallowed up death. I think about Israel when they left Egypt. And Egypt is a type of sin. And the uh, Egyptians who held Israel captive way back then, they needed to be delivered out of that. And so Moses led them out. Moses means drawn out because he was drawn out of the water. There was his, his, his uh, wise parents put him in a basket, his caretaker other, and, and floated him down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter took him out of that, draw him out of that water. And when Moses delivers Israel out, out of Egypt, He takes them across the Red Sea. The waters parted. Egypt with Pharaoh is is in hot pursuit of Israel, wants to kill them. Israel passes through the waters. In fact, they're referred to as the waters of baptism. And 
the waters close in over the Egyptians' army and swallows that army up, and death is destroyed, and that which tried to destroy Israel could not pursue them anymore because the waters came in and separated Egypt from God's creation, Israel. This is all types and pictures of water baptism and what water baptism represents. So you are now separate and set apart from God. I like celebrating big events. And sometimes those big events, it could be birthdays, uh, could be uh, a wedding, could be, there are a lot of big events in our life. And I, I really love celebrating people's big events. We were at a 40th uh, birthday party recently celebrating somebody here that turned 40 years old, and generally there's presents and there's nice things that are said over that person. But probably the biggest event in all of our lives to celebrate our lives is an event that none of us get to attend. It's an interesting thing because this event, in this event, there's probably more good things said about you than birthdays and uh, Christmas <laughs> or your anniversaries or uh, whatever it is that people are celebrating about you, a graduation from school perhaps. People will say, if you've lived a good life, they will say more good things about you in this event than any other event celebrating your life. But sadly, you're not going to be there to hear any of it. And of course, I'm talking about your funeral. And one of the great things about water baptism is it is a funeral celebration that you get to attend. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Because what water represents, what water baptism re represents, these three things. Number one is the death of, of, of your old person, your old life, of your own sinful nature. It also represents the death of Jesus. Now, herein is one of the problems that we have as Christians, and it's constant. We separate ourselves from him. And again, separation is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith, it says, is sin. Sin is separation. Remember that. And when you're, when you're water baptized, this is a funeral like no other because he paid the price, but you're in him. In fact, uh, Galatians 2.20, we might just go over there very quickly. Uh, I want you to see what this is. Your old self being put away. St. Paul says this, Galatians 2.20, uh, the first part. I have been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, was he physically on the cross with Jesus crucified? No. <laughs> but I have been crucified with Christ. And this next statement is amazing. It's what water baptism represents. The first thing is the death of your old person is, 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 is when Jesus went to the cross and paid the price and died for your sin, for your separation. And he says this, I no longer live. What part of him no longer lives? Because he wrote this letter, obviously he's still alive, or 
The dead person couldn't write that letter. It was the old separated sin nature that was sown in his heart, in all of our hearts. It was nailed to the cross. Colossians says the ordinances against you, the sin, the transgressions, your independence was nailed to the cross, and he took that out of the way. He washed that clean. So when you go down into the waters of baptism, it represents the fact that you have been crucified with Christ. Your old self doesn't live anymore. That sin nature, that separation, that independence from God that you have, it doesn't mean you're never going to have a thought that's independent or do something independent, but the very nature to do that has been dealt a, a fatal blow in the death of Jesus Christ. I no longer live. Water baptism is the funeral. Uh, it's your funeral that you get to attend to celebrate. Listen to the rest of Galatians 2.20. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, so I'm, I'm alive, my heart's pumping, but the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You get to be at your own funeral today. If you've been baptized in the past, that was the funeral of your old man, the Bible says, your old person. That's when the fatal blow was dealt to that sin nature. You get to be there, and you get to remember that. The second thing that is represented in water baptism is burial. Burial. You were crucified, killed, your old man, and buried. Now, I'm thankful that the ordinance isn't to be buried in dirt. Like, we could very easily fill this up with dirt, uh, put you in it first, then put the dirt on top of you. Uh, but then you'd know, you would no longer be able to say, like Paul said, that I, I live now, the life I live. You'd be dead, dead, and gone to heaven, and then I'd go to prison. <laughs> and anybody else to help me? Because <laughs> dirt, dirt is not going to cut it when it comes to life. So God chose water, I'm, I'm so thankful, so that you get a picture, a really clear picture of what Jesus did for you. His death was your death. His burial was your burial. Now, why burial? John 12, Jesus is talking, John 12, 24, and he says this, he says, very truly I tell you, this is very simple so that all of us throughout the millennium can get a hold of it. I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat or a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The seed of sin was sown in a garden back with Adam and Eve. The seed of life was sown into your hearts, the soil of your heart. And what does that do? that brings forth life out of you. It's, it's progress. It's progressive. You don't put a seed in the ground and then walk out the next day and go, where's my apple tree? It's like, hey, it's coming. Sometimes it's below the surface, but it's coming. 
It's going to happen. Sometimes we get thrown because we make a decision to follow Jesus. We get water baptized, and then we do something stupid. We uh, commit some kind of a sin that separates us from, from uh, God, but God's not separate because he never leaves you nor forsakes you. But we do something that our thinking takes us out of, uh, uh, of fellowship with God. We think, well, it's all over with. I've blown it. No, the seed's there. The seed is producing. You just got to keep watering it with prayer and be patient and encourage one another and, and keep on going. But baptism represents the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his burial as the seed will come forth out of the ground. God planted a seed in your heart. What sin separated, God substituted with his son. He says in Colossians 3, 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When you go down into the water, you died. That old you died, and your life for a moment, about a second this morning, will be hidden underneath that water with God, but we won't leave you there. Trust in that. And then the third thing represented in water baptism, thank God, is that you come up out of the water. The third thing is resurrection. Resurrection is life, Resurrection is your freedom from sin. It's newness of life. It's your funeral again, R.I.P. In this case, it doesn't mean rest in peace. It means rise in peace, R.I.P. It's your funeral, but you rise. You come out of that, that great exchange, the state of, of, of being from one to another. The, the, you go into the water one way. You come out another way. You went in separated, you came out united, you went in dead, you came out alive. When you come out of that water, that represents newness of life, resurrection life. As he was, he was crucified, dead, and buried, but he rose from the dead, and when he rose from the dead, you rose from the dead again. Like I said, don't ever separate yourself from him. That's the problem that people do. Now, I was going to bring this, but I didn't bring it, a, a, a book. And you put something in that book, and uh, the book can represent Jesus Christ. Here, yeah, that's good. And I'll use the pen or whatever you got. Got a card. My trusted helper here, my assistant. There she goes. Come on. She's a school teacher. Yes, indeedy. Okay, thank you. Yes, indeed. So if this represents Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right? And this represents you, this card represents you. What Jesus did when you were found in Christ, and this is what water baptism represents, is he took you into his life. There you go. You don't see the yellow card anymore. You just see what represents him. But the question, everywhere the yellow card goes, or rather uh, the book goes, where does the yellow card go? It goes with him because you're in him. So, again, this represents his life. He was crucified, dead and buried. What, what happened to you? The yellow card in him, you're in him. You were crucified, dead and buried. He came up. He's seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Guess what happened to you? As he is, so are you. You can't separate you from him. He, he gave you life through his death, so that his history became your history, and, and, and he took you with him. You are now resurrected with him into newness of life. 
Here you go, sweetheart, so you can keep taking notes as the pearls drip from my mouth. Uh, <laughs> I want you to read one last scripture, and then I'd like the team to come up. Uh, Romans 6, we're only going to go verses 4 and 5. Uh, there's so much on this, honestly, I could preach for a year just on this whole subject. Uh, Romans 6, 4 and 5. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Isn't that good? This is the funeral that you get to attend. Uh, and, 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 but, but one thing I want you to remember is that it's really the star of the show is not you, it's him. As much as you remember your water baptism, rem remember this. It's all about him. You get to celebrate because of what he did, not because of what you did. Water baptism in itself doesn't save anybody, but it burns into your consciousness a revelation of what he did for you and a deep appreciation, as does communion and even anointing with oil for the sick. It burns into you a picture in your mind that you can pull out and look at when you don't feel saved, when life isn't going your way, when you think you've messed it up too much, you're too far gone, whatever, 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 just remember it was all about him. You got to attend your funeral, but the star of the funeral, the main event, was Jesus Christ. I think about my life, yeah, I think about my life, and I think about, uh, you know, my the physical funeral that hopefully will happen someday, uh, that I'm not going to be there. But what would be the main event of my life that I'd want people to talk about more than anything else? It would not be that I drive a Kia. <laughs> it wouldn't be even about, oh, that sermon that he preached on baptism, like, wow. <laughs> it wouldn't be about, you know, the history of the church and the building and all the rest of it. It wouldn't be, sadly to say it, but the main event wouldn't even be my marriage. The main event was, was the fact that I received eternal life from Jesus Christ. And so the corpse in the box is not me. He ain't there. We all say that, but the main thing I would want people talking about is, man, somewhere in Ed's journey, <laughs> he got saved. And his baptism represented that. And the main character in the main event was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All glory be to him. The main event, your main event, hopefully, will be Jesus Christ, that you asked him into your heart so the seed of God was planted in the soil of your heart. You made that decision. Now let him do the work, and, and he will bring forth the fruit of righteousness. Amen. You know, uh, I think about such a great salvation that we have. God didn't send his son into the world to give us a set of rules. 
He didn't send his son into the world to send an argument so we could argue and debate. He sent his son into the world for one reason. He loves you desperately and doesn't want you separated from him anymore. So anytime, anywhere, I can talk to my heavenly father. He sent his son into the world to save you, not to condemn you. Why people resist this message, I think it's because they don't, they couldn't have a revelation of what this is about. It's about freedom, not bondage. It's not about even joining the church. Although you do join with people of like faith for a purpose, it doesn't save you. That's not the celebration. The main event is he loved you so much that he gave his life so that as he is, so are you. He, you were crucified, your old self. You were dead and buried with him. And then you came up in newness of life. And every time you think about your water baptism, I want that to be a, 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 a photo, a permanent picture that you think about and look upon whenever life tells you otherwise that God maybe doesn't love you or God's abandoned you. No, 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 no. I remember when I was baptized. I remember I felt that water come around me. I went down. I was crucified, dead, and buried. And as Paul said, it's no longer I that lives. That old person doesn't live anymore. Now I live because of him and because of what he did. It's the funeral that I'm going to celebrate over and over and over again. I, I don't like... And there's nothing, don't worry about this. If, if I get invited to your house, it's all good. But don't pull out your wedding photos. <laughs> Unless you're newly married. <sighs> I don't, you know, want to look at all the photos. <laughs> like, how long is the night going to be? But, but for you, you need to pull them out frequently and look back with fondness and enjoy the moment and say, can you believe we were that young? Look at how beautiful you were on that day. That's what Gail says to me <laughs> frequently. You need to appreciate, and you've got the photo to appreciate the event. This is the photo today. The event already happened. But I hope that you can, with fondness, appreciate the events. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.